Hey everybody, this is Aaron Neely and welcome to my podcast, More Sales Now. Today I wanna to talk about, about soliciting with email. Like this is, this is either gonna be like a cold email or, or maybe somebody who's familiar with us, maybe a, a warm email. But uh, yeah, I've been writing about it uh, today uh, and I, I plan to, to kind of make this uh, sort of my topic uh, for, for this week. So here's the idea. We're, we're going to reach out to, to a new prospect or maybe somebody who, who we know, who's familiar with us, but who's not currently doing business with us. And I like to, I, I have a couple of takes on this. You know, the, you know, the one take is, is when we're trying to solicit like, like a direct response from a customer. Like we want this customer to, or this prospective customer to take a specific action, like to reply to us or to call us or to set an appointment with us for uh, a phone call or an in-person meeting. And the the other type of email I call, uh, you, you know, just for the purpose of, of adding value and building a relationship with the intent of, of doing doing business, uh, you know, long-term, uh, perhaps at some point out in the future. And I'll tell you how I, I like to use both of these. When, when I first start communicating with, with a customer, and I'm not go- going into phone calls. I think phone calls are awesome. I think they work better than emails, but I'm not touching that topic on this podcast. I'm just touching how to do it with an email. When, when I first start contacting a prospective customer, I like to start with, uh, with a direct response email. That, that is an email where I'm asking them specifically to do something. And you know, this, this specific thing is usually going to be, Hey, let's, let's get in touch. Let's talk. Let's build a relationship. Let's see if we can do business together. And you you know, these are the, these are the things that that you really got to think about how you put it together. Because, you know, when we just mindlessly whip out an email that introduces ourselves, Hey, this is my name. This is who I work for and what I sell. And we shoot it out. That's not going to be real successful. But if we think about how we construct these a little bit, we can actually really increase the rate at which people open our emails, which people read our emails, and people respond to it. Because you have to remember these these people who we're soliciting to, these B2B buyers, you know, supply chain managers, purchasing managers, you know, uh, 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 VP of purchasing, I mean, whatever their title is, these people are busy. They get hundreds of emails a day and they get solicited all the time, constantly. And I know this because I've been that guy. I've, I've been in that. I spent a long time in purchasing. So I know what it's like, right? If all you ever did was answer these type of emails and these type of phone calls and take these type of meetings, it's all you'd ever do. There wouldn't be time for anything else. So you have to start with that realization that the person receiving your email that he gets hundreds of them a day, probably only checks his email two or three times a day, if that. And as he's going through those hundreds of emails, like he's only looking at the sender and the subject line and the preview in the inbox, and he's making a decision on each one. Do I even read this email or do I just hit delete and move on? So you know, we got to think about how do I get past that obstacle? How do I actually get read? Second thing, 
how do how do I have a convincing email body that actually you know gets the person to want to respond? And there's no foolproof way of of doing this 100%, but there's just little things that that we can do in in each one. And I'm actually putting together uh, right now this week, I'm putting together uh, a workbook on this very subject. It's going to be very detailed and get really down and in, into the weeds on on how to do this. I'm at, and I'm actually going to give it away for free, right? I'm not even going to charge for it. So you know, look for that if you really want to get in depth on like how to properly do this via email. So I'm just going to hit like on the big picture, the broad brush kind of stuff in this podcast because you know I try to keep these you know to like five to 15 minutes. I don't want them to, to go on for half an hour, an hour long. Uh, I think you'd all get sick of listening to me for that long, even if it was good content. So, you know, we got to think about first obstacle is where our email shows up in the customer's inbox. How do I get him to even want to read it? Right. And so we have to think, what does he see? You know, he sees the sender. He sees the the subject line of the email and then he sees the preview of the email which you can actually set that manually but normally automatically it's just going to be the first few words of the text of the body of the email so we have to thoughtfully think about what we're putting in those things you know to to get read right the the subject line is the most important part of this and you know frankly it just has to be enticing enough to, to get them to to want to read it. You know, this is where we need to tell them what, what this email's really going to be about. And we can't, like, be tricky in this part, right? Because if if you say one thing in the subject line and the body of the email is actually about another thing, that that's annoying. That's deceptive. They're not going to like it. So you got to get right to the point, and, and you, you have to be accurate. And you have to offer value, Right, because at this point, like the only thing you can do is say, "Hey, if you spend ten seconds reading my email, it's going to be worth your time." So, how do you do that? Right? How do you how do you kind of determine what this person is looking for? Right, and then how do you give them that in in a subject line? You know, you want to keep it short. Uh, that's that's one of the most critical things because again, this person's trying to move fast through their emails. They don't want to do it all day. They got they, they have lots of things to do. Uh, some of the things I like to do and some of the things I talk about in the workbook is, you know, if you have a mutual acquaintance with this person, if you know somebody in their company or something like that, name drops actually work great in a subject line for building uh, curiosity. If you can personalize it to to the receiver or at least uh, to that person's company, that's also a great thing to do in a subject line. One of the things that people don't think about a lot but actually makes a big difference is how you use verbs in a subject line. And, and what I say here is you want to make sure you're using active verbs instead of passive verbs in your subject line. That actually makes a big difference because that then it helps the customer visualize what you're talking about and, and kind of helps them feel as though they're, they're participating in it. Um, you, you want to make the recipient of the email feel like they're important or, or, or special. And a lot of that just comes down to personalizing the email, right? Because if it looks like it's just some spammy mass mailer that you're sending out, they're, they're not going to want to read it, 
right? They're going to think, well, this is, this is just, you know, some random marketing thing that they send out to thousands of people. Uh, so that they won't be interested in that, uh, using humor works, asking questions work, uh, using controversy, depending on your industry that, that can actually be really, really good. You know, uh, a lot of us who are, you know, kind of doing more mundane, like I work in like chemicals and agriculture. I don't need to use controversy in, uh, in my stuff. And I, I shouldn't, uh, but in, in some industries like that, that really is working like that works for them. Um, and then finally, when you get into that's that's just some of my things on on the subject line. There's going to be a lot more in the workbook, so I I, I really want to encourage you to uh, to look at that when it comes out. If this is a topic that interests you, now finally for for the body of the email. So if you have a good subject line, we're we're going to get read. We're we're going to get read at a lot higher rate than if we have a boring, lame subject. Now in the body of the email. You want to do uh, just a few things, right? You want to greet them. You want to, as briefly as possible, because this is assuming they don't know you, don't know your product, don't know your company. You want to introduce all that, right, in just a single sentence. That's, you know, hey, this is my name, company, product. And then you want to make them an irresistible value offer, now, if you can do this in relation to a, an issue that you expect that they have, that maybe you know something about their company in particular, or maybe just something about the wider market, if you can offer value in relationship to a known or at least strongly suspected problem, that's going to get them interested, right? Like if you just contact them and say, I sell widgets and I know you buy them, so come buy my widgets, right? That's that's not a valuable offer, okay? They're already buying widgets and chances are they're fairly happy with their widgets, okay? So you cannot offer just to do for them the same thing that somebody else is already doing. You have to have a value proposition that goes above and beyond and you have to make it clear and concise. This is not the point in time that you want to hit somebody with all 30 or however many value adds you have in your value proposition. Okay, they're not going to dedicate the amount of time that it takes to read all that if they're not already interested in your product. Okay, they have hundreds of emails to check. You cannot slam them with that much information. If they open the thing up and it's 3,000 words, they're, they're not going to read one word right? If they open it up and it's a hundred words, yeah, they'll read that. Okay. So clear and concise, like the stars of your value proposition, or if you know something about them specifically, the part of your value proposition that really answers the need. And then once you offer that value, you need to give them a clear call to action to say, hey, this is the specific value my widget provides. This is the specific problem my widget solves that the other guy's widget does not solve. If this sounds good to you, let's set an appointment for a phone call or reply to this email. Don't give them, and, and, and I say like you should offer one or the other, don't give them multiple choices because those, those things tend to confuse the matter. And it will lower the rate at which people respond 
to your email. So you should say something to the effect of, if this sounds interesting, let's set an appointment. Don't give them more than one option. Just tell them what you want to do to follow up with them if the value sounds interesting to them. So this is, is how you should construct this type of email where, where you're reaching out to somebody for the first time and trying to solicit a response to sort of escalate a sales relationship with them. Now, not everybody is going to reply or, or be receptive to that. Even if you have a great email, you're still not going to get 100% of them. It's, uh, it's just a fact. It's just the nature, nature of the game. So for those people who aren't responsive, and I wouldn't say just send out one and then forget about it. You might have a few different emails where you're reaching out to somebody trying to, to get them to, to get on the phone or at least start a conversation with you somehow about a sales relationship. But if none of that works, uh, then what I like to do is essentially start giving somebody what I call kind of a kind of a value add or or a market update email where I periodically will just send them useful information that relates to my market. And these might not necessarily have a have a call to action in them, although they might. They might include a call of call to action. But the main thing here is I'm just trying to provide value for free, right? Free information that other people aren't doing. You know, I, I get one. So I move freight internationally, and I get a great one on this uh, on the regular uh, from a freight company that I'm thinking of where they just provide information about what's going on in the freight business. They're always short and concise. Like I just saw one that was about an accident at, at the port in Mumbai that was going to shut down that port for a little while, right? Now, of course, not everybody moves freight out of Mumbai, but for the people that do, that's critical information to have that they might not otherwise get. And when you provide that kind of information to people who move freight, it makes them more likely to want to move freight with you in the future, even though you didn't directly ask for the business. So I like to do that sort of stuff. And you know, for me personally, I work in, uh, in a lot of agriculturally or derived products. So crop updates or futures markets updates are great market reports to kind of shoot out to these customers that aren't currently doing business with me as a way of providing value, as a way of building rapport, and it also helps to build reciprocity. That way, when that person is in the market for a new vendor, they're going to think of the person who's regularly working with them to build a relationship, not asking for anything in return. So uh, I actually cover that uh, as well in, uh, in the workbook I'm putting together. So this is kind of my take on prospecting emails and a couple of different ways to do it. If you enjoyed this podcast, I want to invite you over to my website, AaronNeely.com. You can take a look at my blog there where I post occasionally as well as uh, look at my book that I have coming out. And with that, I want to wish you all the best of success selling.